waves, my waves get lost in the ocean. Seven billion swimmers, man, I'm going through the motions. Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hey, it's Nancy Yearout, and we have a fabulous show for you guys today. It's a really interesting one, so I want you guys to sit back and relax. We have a wonderful guest, and her name is Frankie Picasso, and she comes from Canada. She's a Canadian, and she's written a really cool book, and it's called For Want of 40 Pounds. And that may sound like a strange title, but what this is about is her father, and he was actually um, over in Germany, Austria, when uh, Hitler and the Nazis were taking over. And she wrote this really fabulous book. It's like a tribute almost to her father, but it tells his story and it tells how important it is um, that we keep our freedom. And so I want you guys to sit back and relax. And before I bring her on, I'm going to read a little bit from her book, just a quick excerpt. And this is from chapter five, and it's very powerful. So here we go. It's called Let's Walk to Amsterdam. Back when he was six or seven years old, now this is her father, Berthold had been helping his mother by delivering milk, mostly to prostitutes since they were the only ones with money to afford to have goods delivered. But in 1938, when Austria was invaded by the Nazis, things things got bad rapidly, Bert recalls. The Jews were the enemy because Hitler needed a scapegoat. So my mother's store is closed. The Nazis come to the door and arrest you. I'll go with my father, and they'd take us into a huge hall where all the Jews were lined up, and we were told to lie down, stand up, and do all sorts of stupid things. But my father knew that when you had a kid with you, nine out of ten times, they'd let you out. And those without kids, they were sent to Dachau, the first Nazi concentration camp that was opened in Germany. Prisoners there lived in constant fear of brutal treatment. So I'd go with my father when he was arrested, Bert continues. Happened three times, but after that, they came for him without me. He was sent to a concentration camp. And the guy who's, you know, interviewing him says, and what happened to you? And he says, I didn't see much hope for myself, he recalls. The stores I was doing deliveries for were all closed. So I said to my mother, I'm going to go to England, and I'm going to see what I can do to save you and Paul. That's his brother. Just like that. Just like that. I was determined to find a way, you know. Paul may have been my older brother, but he didn't have the same drive that I did. But Bert, clearly, this was thinking outside the box. I mean, going to England? Yeah, I guess so, he said, even back then. So why England? Germany didn't want you. Switzerland didn't want you. There was nowhere else to go. I figured England was far away from the Nazis, and it would be a safe place. Wow, this is some powerful stuff. And this is a powerful story. You need to get this book. Um, and it is called For One Forty Pounds. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Frankie Picasso. She's quite a little... Um, Get her, go get her herself. So I'm excited to have her on my show. Frankie Picasso is a Canadian socialpreneur, I love that, talk show host and champion for change who's been transforming lives and influencing culture for the past 30 years. Professionally, she's a certified life 
business and master coach trainer, author, artist, activist, and radio TV, TV host, who has just happened to specialize in the impossible. Um, Frankie also has founded the Good Radio Network. It's a socially conscious radio platform as a vehicle for social impact and change. And I think that's really cool. She's an artist. She's a member of the Canadian Association of Journalists. Um, she's part of the Public Speakers Association. She has just done so much in her life, I think, to bring goodness back into the world is what I feel. Um, I love this. She has a website. It's called www.unstoppablefrankiepicasso.com. Hey, Frankie, welcome to High Road to Humanity. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nancy. Wow. <laughs> I love it. You know, I was reading I was reading your profile, too, and, and reading all about all the, the wonderful things that you do. And I go, oh, my God, we have so much in common. You know, we really do. And I was reading your stuff, and I'm like, she's a go-getter, and she's not afraid to say what she thinks. <laughs> and this is really cool, because I'm the same way. You Thank are. You. <laughs> How long have you been doing radio and TV? I just want to get a feel well, for what the radio. The radio is about, oh, I think it's going on 12 years. Mission Unstoppable is almost 12 years old. So some of, the, some of it on the same station as you. Hi, Ben. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. You know the producer here. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah 12 years. And about two years ago, um, I had a guest who said, you know, you really should be doing this visually. You know, you have to stop doing just the audio. And I'm like, no, I don't like people looking at me. I really don't want to do that. I'm getting old and, you know, whatever. And then I, I, I stopped and I thought about it. And I'm like, you know what? Like, you're old enough that you shouldn't care anymore. That's right. People look at That's you. right. That's right. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And and it's actually really good. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it more um, because it gives that little edge. Like, I always liked live radio like you're doing. Right. But right. then, you know, just – Visually, like still stuff can go wrong and but and, and you have to face people. <laughs> so. so you have a TV show, you do it online. How do you how do you get out to the public now? Yeah, I do it online. I do it through Zoom through to Facebook Live. Right. Uh, that's the live portion. And then it comes off and it goes back onto um, YouTube as, as, awesome. the, as the audio port or the visual portion. And then the audio goes to the Good Radio Network and other so platforms. Right. So if people yeah. want to find you, how do they find you? Just go to the Good Radio Network or the Good Media Network. Both work. Okay. Okay. Hey, I liked your book and I feel like my father just passed. And so, oh, sorry. no, it's okay. But I, I understand why you wrote this book because mm -hmm. I just wrote a cool article about my dad because you kind of just want to tell people, you know, about such a fantastic person. And his proper name is, is, Berthold, is that correct? Am I yes. pronouncing that right? Okay. Yeah, so it's Berthold Sherman, and he changed his name mm -hmm. to Bert Mann mm -hmm. when he came to America. Um, he Canada, actually. Well, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't when he was in the United States, it no. was when he went to Canada. Yeah. Okay, that's right. All right, well, how I... I talked to him a little bit about this. He was in Germany. He was 13 years old when he, he was in and another... He was in Vienna. Mm -hmm. He was in Vienna. Yeah, so he okay. lived in Vienna. Yeah, he was okay. born in Vienna, Austria. So in 1938, when um, the Anschluss happened, which was the annexation of Austria, that the Nazis came, uh, he had, that was March, and March was when he turned 13. So he okay. just turned 13 years old when um, Austria was annexed. His father was put in a concentration camp. The, uh, his mother was forced to move out of their apartment to, you know, I'm going to call it a hovel. And, uh, you know, Bert looked around and said, wow, like, this is my future. This is not good. Not this isn't happening. And he really was 
and is um, a visionary. Like he really has always been that way. And so he decided that he was going to save the family and, and walk, you know, he had to walk to England and, you know, he'd only had like a little bit of grade eight. I mean, he was in the middle of grade eight, right? So, so for him to even, you know, he said, I knew a little bit about geography. Uh, I knew, I kind of knew where England was. I knew I had to get to Amsterdam and cross the channel. Um, But that was it. He didn't have a map. He didn't have a compass or he did have a compass, I think. Um, And that was it. He had no money, uh, no clothes, no food. And, and they take off on this walk. And like Peter said, did you, you know, were you afraid? And he goes, no, I was never afraid. Uh, it didn't cross my mind. And I think that has to do with just a boy's sense of adventure. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, well, and he cool. had a drive inside of him. I mean, yeah. he really, he was driven. He was driven and he's still driven. Even yeah. at 94, he's still driven. He never gives up. Like I look at him today and I, and I talk to him and I said, you know, like you're still finding things interesting in life. You're like, you've done it all. Like he's traveled the world. He's done everything probably a million times, but mm-hmm. he still looks forward to waking up every day. And, you know, he, he looks at the world as, you know, how can I do some business today? Or how can I, you know, get, be interested today? Like he loves art. He loves wine. He loves, he likes traveling. So there's, I don't know. He keeps it, he keeps it interesting for himself. And even me at times, I'm like, I'm bored. <laughs> like, I, like I've done this, like, uh, yeah. you know, what, what, what's new, yeah. but he doesn't. And I love that about him. Well, and he influenced you. I can tell that. Oh, um, his, gotcha. Yeah, his positive outlook on life and his, you know, I can do it no matter what, this determination. I mean, anybody that can walk from, you know, Austria all the way. And he ended up in Dover, England with his mm-hmm. friend who went with him, Eric. And they ended up on a farm. Um, and that was interesting to me. So he was, you know, he's a hard worker. And he yeah. just figured, you know, if I work and I and I am honest and I make money, then I'll make it. And I want you to tell the audience um, what happened. I mean, I can tell, but I want you to tell them what happened sure. on the farm after Eric. So Eric leaves. Eric's mother and father find him and he goes with them, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Eric's mom came to England and, and, and took him away. And Eric was not happy on the farm. He didn't like the farm. But the farm was, you know, when, when the boat landed in England, they were put into a camp similar to what's happening today in the United States. Okay. You know, the are put into a camp. And and so because the war had started and, and England was now involved in the war, uh, they were looking for young men to to fill the fields because those guys were all going to war. And mm-hmm. at 13, it was perfect to sit on a farm, right, and do some some labor. So they said, yeah. you can go to jail or you can go to the farm. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the farm. They never had, <laughs> having done farm work, he didn't know anything about animals or, or anything like that. But, you know, he got there and he didn't speak any English. Um, and they, he said, like, he laughs. He said, you know, they would ask me for a shovel and I would bring a hoe or whatever and they would kick me and I soon learned what was what you You learn the language quickly when you're when you have to you do what you you do what you have to yeah but the you know um the reverend who owned the town staunton on the vale and he also owned the farm his wife took took an interest in 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 bert and decided she was going to teach teach him english after sunday school and she started to teach him how to speak english and how to write and how to uh eat properly and you know just comport himself in 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 a certain way and it's certainly you know, helped him throughout his life. And he really, he doesn't have a trace of an accent. And I've never met an immigrant from Europe that does not have a trace of an accent ever. I know. You talk about that in the yeah. book. We've got about one minute to break. Mm-hmm. But you you talk about how that was really interesting because he can speak German. And is there another language that he speaks? He speaks Spanish, Spanish and German Spanish. and English. And, and, but yeah, he doesn't have an accent. No. But no accent. No. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, 
when when we come back here in a few minutes, I want you to tell everyone what happened because he stayed on the farm and then he got a message from his mother mm-hmm. that they wanted um, to bring him to the, she had, she had relatives that were going to get him a visa. You guys, we're going to be back here in just a minute. And we're here with Frankie Picasso. She's went, written a wonderful book. It's called For Want of 40 Pounds. And this is all about um, what happened years ago in the war. And this is her father's story. Okay. And um, it's, it's pretty touching. And I want you guys to stay tuned and check it out. Talk to you soon. Hang on, we have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book your first 30-minute coaching session for free to get you on your high road. Hey, all you High Road listeners out there. I just want to take a moment to share with you our new sponsor. I've been working with BestRadioTravel.com to bring the lowest hotel prices to my loyal listeners. Stay tuned during the show to hear more about how you can save 15 to 30% off your hotel rate. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yarrow, and I'm joining with compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to The High Road. Hey, welcome back to High Road to Humanity. And this is Nancy, you're out, your host. And I'm here today with Frankie Picasso, and she's telling her father's story of um, when he was in Germany. He was 13 years old. It was wartime. It's when the Nazis and Hitler uh, was in power. And Frankie, finish the story. Tell us what happened to your dad. Okay. First, I just want to say High Road to Humanity. And I think this is so perfect your name of, of your show and, and what Thank happens you. next, because the Reverend Staunton, um, my dad received, a, he was on the farm in England. He's 13, 14, receives um, a letter from his mom and, saying that, you know, she really needs help. She needs 40 pounds. They need 40 pounds. Um, and she can buy her husband out of concentration camp. She has a relative in New York who's willing to send them a ticket or, and host them or whatever. And um, can he help her with the money? 
Right. So my dad shows the letter to Reverend Staunton and he says, you know, can you give me the money? And, and, you know, of course, Reverend Staunton says, well, how are you going to pay it back? And he goes, well, I'll have to work here and I'll pay it back. And so that 40 pounds cost him five years of labor. It took him five years to pay the $40 back. That's like $90 right now. Right, <laughs> you know? right. um, but the Reverend, see, the Reverend did take the high road because he said, you know what, I'm going to send them that money. That, like there was a very short window of time when prisoners could buy their way out. Hitler said, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. He gave him like a couple of weeks or whatever and said, you, you know, if you, if you got the money, you can get out and leave. Just leave. We don't want you. You know, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. And so she, you're, so his mother had relatives in the United States who were able to kind of help. Yeah. And yeah. get it, the ball rolling, I see. Yes. But they needed the money to get on the boat. Yes. They needed the money. And the boat was in Genoa. So the boat was leaving from Italy. And they had to, you know, they, they needed this money. So the Reverend sent the money which was great. Um, and his family left for New York and they, um, they had a pretty nice life there after that while wow. he's, while he's laboring. And a couple years later, his brother had joined the American, um, uh, air force, I guess he was a flyer. Okay. So they were stationed okay. in, in Ireland and he reached out and he found my dad and they met up. I think dad was maybe about 18, 17 at the time. Yeah, and and you know they met up for um, a drink or whatever, and then I think about a, a week later he had he was shot down, he was killed. Wow. So if you if you remember um, watching Private Ryan, there became a law um, in the United States that if a mother has lost a number of sons and she only has one left, that she can bring them home for more. Right. So my grandmother reached out to the United States. Uh, office of whatever that was and she said you know you have to bring my son home i've only got one son left so they picked him up brought him on a u-boat and you know he's being bombed all over the place he manages to get to new york thank god and um his father you know looks at him he says i wish it had been you that died and not your brother how horrible how horrible is that yeah well and you know he worked for five years to save his father and to save his mother and his brother and his father just wasn't the type of person to be grateful he wasn't he was horrible and i I just can't even imagine this person like i never met him i you know my grandmother yes but but my grandfather no and if i had known this about him i certainly would have you know asked her about it all but I didn't know. My dad didn't tell us a story. He never told hardly any of this story until like l- the last two years when really? you know, I was interviewing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew a little bit. I knew that as a kid he had walked, you know, but I was a kid when he told the story and I go, oh, okay, whatever, you know. Right. But it wasn't until you go there and you realize as an adult, wow, that's quite a feat. Walking 1,500 kilometers or whatever it is across Europe without, you know, in the dark in, at nighttime because the Nazis are going to grab you. Right, um, with no money, no, with no food. money. So, yeah. you know, he, and he was terribly embarrassed when he told me, you know, we stole food from markets, we stole food off of trees, we took laundry off of lines, we needed to, to wear clean clothes, we needed to bathe, we needed to eat. And that's it was how survival. It. survival. It was survival. It was yeah. survival. Yeah. And he was super embarrassed about it because for him, like, to owe anything is extremely embarrassing. He doesn't do that. You know, he's – he he. Even when when his partners like later on went bankrupt, he's like, no, no, I'm not doing it. I'll pay the money back to the bank. Like he just yeah, would- and you know, 
that's something, Frankie, I'm really glad you talked about this in the book and you talked about manners and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I have such I hold such um, my father the same as you hold your father in such a high standard because things they have the standards, they have the integrity. Yes. And yes, and things that we've lost here. Um, I still believe, you know, in honesty and integrity yeah. and that you real re- you will be rewarded for doing what's right Mm -hmm. and he was in a survival mode but i'm sure god forgave him for that you know because he went on to really be successful and he kept his positive attitude which is amazing it is it really is and and you know what's humbling is no matter how much money he made and he became a millionaire um he was the same with everybody it didn't matter if you were the janitor or you were another president of a company or whatever. He 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 looked at you the same. He talked to you the same. There was no difference in his mind between people. He just didn't judge anybody for what they did. And that's what made him great. That's yeah, great. That's what made that's, him great. And yeah. that's what made you know the people loyal to him and love him and want to work hard for him because he didn't hold himself apart. Well, and you talk, and he writes in the in the book about, um, you know, he talks to his sons because he was married several times, mm-hmm. and you talk about it in the book. He ends up having 10 children. Some are adopted. Some mm-hmm. are biological. But he really cared about people, and he writes a little chapter in there where he asks his two sons to forgive him for leaving. Uh, he was in a bad situation. He was mm-hmm. in a marriage where he had an overpowering uh, mother-in-law mm-hmm. and he yeah, was miserable. Was yeah. And he was miserable and he left and he felt bad for it. And I thought that was really interesting that he, that was probably therapeutic for him to, to say, Hey, it wasn't about you guys. I just had to do what I had to do. He had to do what he had to do. And, and I'm really glad that he wrote that. And I think it, I'm hoping that it, it helps them as well yeah. um, to read that. But when you are so independent from such a young age, it's very difficult to have somebody start to tell you, you know, stand up, sit down, tie your shoes, go here, go there. He well, just yeah. wasn't having some woman that, you know, he was he was put into a marriage that was um, the parents had arranged for him. He was he had a sweetheart back in England. He was going to go marry, yeah. but you know they had arranged this marriage for him, and he was like, oh, I haven't seen my parents in ten years. Like, gosh, I better be a good son, and maybe I should do this for them. And so he married. You know this woman. He wasn't. I'm not going to say he wasn't in love. I don't know. But he married. He married her. Uh, she's a very nice lady. I met her. She just recently passed. Um, but you know, it, I don't think it was a love match. Okay. Certainly not one designed by himself. And then when this mother-in-law is telling him what to do and and how to live and don't do this and you can't do that, he's like, No, let's go. Come with me. We're going to go make it on our own. And you know, yeah, let's he wanted do to be it. free. It's he about freedom. Yes, yeah, it's about all freedom. about freedom. And that's like my number one value is freedom. I don't want anybody telling me what to do either. Uh, and, and it. you know, <laughs> yeah, my husband's the same way. I mean, that's why we kind of uh, tell me and I won't tell you. Great. Okay, we'll live our right. life. Um, right. No, my husband and I are the same way. But, you know, I want to bring up, and I, I don't mean to interrupt with your thought, your train of thought there, but we were talking on the break, and I want to bring this up because a lot of people don't know so much about the concentration camps and what happened there. And before we move further on, I want to talk about it a little bit because I don't, I want people to never forget. You know, a lot of these kids 
these days don't know so much about what happened. And um, I was telling you on the break, and I'll tell you my little spiel, and then you can tell what you feel. I was lived in Germany, and I have been to uh, a concentration camp outside of Munich. And until you go, honestly, and you see what it was like for these people, and I'll just tell you what really stuck out in my mind, if that's okay, Frankie. Mm, please. I am. Um, when I got there, and I was in my 20s, so this was like 30 years ago. I hate mm-hmm. this. God, I'm aging myself. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Oh, but I went, and it was shocking because the barbed wire, and it was high. The barbed wire fences were still up, so high that you couldn't climb over it even if you wanted to, and they were still standing. And then you went, and you walked into the building, and you saw this big pile of glasses, all the people's glasses mm-hmm. that they had worn on there. And then you see a pile of shoes, mm-hmm. all their shoes. And then... I got to a point where you go and you see these ovens and there's a, there were, they had a, um, a crown, like, you know, a thorns, like was on Jesus head when he was crucified sitting there. And that's how they, they killed a lot of the Jews. And then I think that what really hit me the hardest was when you go to where they slept Mm-hmm. And the beds were so, didn't this blow your mind when you saw these? Because you've seen them. And the beds were so small, you guys. They were like, I don't know, maybe three feet by, I don't even know. And they slept on top of each other because there wasn't enough room for anybody. And when you go there and you experience this, you really, it, it takes a hold of you. You, it changes you. It really does change you. It, and you realize... Does. What happened? Now, tell me, we've got about three minutes. I think we've got plenty of time, but tell me what your experience was. It well, changed me anyway. I, th- I think when you hear stories uh, and, and then they become more personal and you, my uncle um, just turned 106. Wow. And he was in four of the concentration camps, the worst ones, right from the beginning. Um, he lasted years. I can't believe it. Um, and he teaches at the University of Vienna. He teaches, um, and he goes around, and he talks about the Holocaust to people. And he still does, like, you know, he just he just broke his hip, actually. So he's not doing it right now. But he, he had been doing it up until, like, this year, um, teaching people about his experience in, in the camp. Because they don't believe you. They don't believe that we could be so inhumane, but we are. Like, man's inhumanity demand blows my mind that people can think up these tortures, that they could think up, like, like let's gas them and torture them and, and yeah. do experiments on them. And um, these aren't, you know, human beings. These are these are Jews. You know, we can do whatever we want or to the Catholics and the, or the gays and whatever. I mean, they were just horrific to everybody. Lots and lots of people. It wasn't just Jews. And, and when you go to um, Budapest and, and they have... Um, a monument on uh, by uh, by the Danube, and it's all um, the the shoes. Like you talked about the shoes, because they would make them take off their shoes, and then they would shoot them, and just they drop into the water. Um, oh like that's how they killed them in Budapest. And they, so they have a monument there, and you walk you walk there, and then you walk in um, in Vienna, and and you see like the little. And in Salzburg, and, and, and there's little um, gold plates in the, in the sidewalks, you know, the, of people. Of people. And listen, yeah, we're getting ready to go to yeah. a commercial break. And I there is, uh, wow, I'm really glad that we're talking about this today because I think if there's, people need to realize that these things did happen and we have to make sure that it never happens again. We'll be right back. 
We will be right back on High Road to Humanity, but make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. Toginet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15% to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Nancy to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through Toginet Radio. We have negotiated special rates at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com slash Nancy to sign up and enjoy the discounts. That is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Nancy. Do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? What if you were given the ability to change your life for the better, to create what you want for yourself? What if I told you you have the ability to tap into the universal energy to design the life you desire? This was my discovery many years ago. As a businesswoman and a single mom, I had no choice but to pay attention to what the universe was revealing to me, and I learned how to use it for my benefit. When you wake up and pay attention to the messages that the universe is showing you, your life will change for the better. Because we all hold the ability to tap into the universal energy to enhance our love life, our career, our finances, anything you wish. This energy was created for our use and it's free. Now, I'm excited to share this information with you in my book, Wake Up. The universe is speaking to you. It's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T.com, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. And thanks for picking up my book. And may the energy of the universe bless you. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to The High Road. Hey, welcome back to High Road to Humanity, and we're here today with Frankie Picasso. Hey, listen, before I bring Frankie back on, I want to tell you guys about something really exciting I'm going to do. I'm an intuitive, I'm a psychic, and I've decided to do some readings for you guys, and it's going to be the last Wednesday of every month, the last part of the show. I'm going to give you a phone number, and I'm going to let you call in, and I will do a reading for you. So this is going to be a fun thing. Tell your friends. Um, I'm sure they're 
they're real excited at the radio station. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get lots of you call it in, but um, I'm going to do some free readings for you guys. Okay. So there you have it. Now I do charge just so you know, this will just be on the radio. It'll be kind of like my little gift to you guys. All right. We're back with Frankie Picasso today and her book is for one of 40 pounds. And when we're talking about the 40 pounds, we're talking about money that our family needed in order to not go to the concentration camps and be killed basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were just talking about the concentration camps and what else do you want us to talk about? What else do you want to say, Frankie? Well, we were talking about, you know, how, how the, the Holocaust, you know, really hasn't ended. We, we see genocide every day. Um, and people treating others in their country with, again, with the inhumanity and taking away their rights, taking away their freedoms, uh, killing them for no reason, just, making life very difficult. And that's why, you know, those immigrants leave their country and they're, and they're clamoring to go to any anybody who will open their doors for them. Uh, if you read the beginning of my dad's book, um, where he did his foreword, he talks about the immigrants and, and, you know, tries to give them a sense of hope because, you know, most people are immigrants. Most people have right. come from different countries. And right. um, my kids are first generation Canadian, you know, so... Uh, that I, I kind of look at it like that, but I look at Aleppo and I look at, at Syria and I, and I feel my heart goes out to these people who, who just, they're just everyday people who, who were, you know, getting it from both ends, right? Like right. They're getting bombed and they got children and they, all they want to do is get their children. Their children are living in absolute utter fear uh, right. for their lives. And, and it just, that breaks my heart and, it, and well, that we can't yeah. put ourselves and be empathized with them uh, to say, yeah, like these, if that was us, can you just imagine if that was your family or you that, that is being targeted and you would go, somebody, please, somebody in the world, help me. And they look like, oh, that's just like a TV thing. Like, that's far away. Like, well, it's not real. We don't yeah. think of this stuff as being real. And, you know, of course, Israel is still having issues. The oh, Jews are yeah. still, you know, having trouble. And that is a major thing that's going on right now in the world. And I see a lot of Christians being prosecuted for being Christian, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a really scary thing for me. Um, it's exactly what happened to the Jews. Yeah. Um, the Christians are starting to be prosecuted. And and we've lost, and, and I talked to you about this on break, and I want to talk a little bit about manners and yes. about etiquette and about why these things are important. And it's what makes us civilized. It's what makes us a civilized people. And you go out into the world today, and I always go out with a smile, but man, there's a lot of hateful people out there. And the manners have been, there are no manners. There's no manners. And they're not being taught manners. You know, I went to a private girls school. We had to do like, talk about manners. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was really drilled into you. But there's a civility to manners and there's a code to it that's really nice. And you know how to to operate in the world. And when people don't have manners, it's very difficult for me um, to communicate in a way because you don't, you, you know, where's the rule book here? Um, well, I, I, th- I see it as um, a me, me, me. 
Yes. It's all about me. And my thing is we need to change the mindset Mm -hmm. and make people realize that it's not just about us. We're all connected. And that's why you hear the connection song on the beginning of my show, because everybody thinks it's me, me, me. And it used to be people thought about their neighbor or they cared about their community. Mm -hmm. But now it's like all they care about is themselves and what they have. And that is what is really I'd love to see that mindset that change where we care about each other. Right. And, and, you know, you you talked about me being um, a social, social entrepreneur and that's what it was all about. That was my reason for starting the the good radio network was because I thought here's an opportunity for radio, not just to talk about doing good things, but to actually do good things. And I thought I, I I took a year off and and I downloaded and I just kind of went, you know, God help me here, figure out what I need to do next. And it was Mm -hmm. go and find people, even if it's one person who's changing the world and tell their story. Because we don't, you know, people go, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. Well, look at Nancy. Look what you're doing. You have the show, you have an outlet, you have a voice, and you're yeah. telling people stuff, right? right. You're, you're inviting guests on who who are able to tell stories and, and educate listeners right. to right. what is happening. Right. And, and I'll take it a step further now. Don't just hear it do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody can do something about it. And well, it, yeah, and you do. You're a real advocate and I saw that you're an advocate for animals and yeah. then you also um I know that you're an artist and you give all your proceeds um to the cleft palate surgery for children. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. Well, I love I love to paint animals and even if your your pet has, you know, died, I I can still paint from from a portrait um from a picture or whatever. But I like okay. to um Mercy Ships was an organization that I I just fell in love with. And so uh they have had a catalog and I was looking in the catalog and I was going, "Oh, you know what? It costs $250 for a cleft palate surgery." And that's like a 45-minute fix usually. And now the, these children, uh, they're not going to die of malnutrition. They're going to be brought back into the village. Their parents aren't going to worry that they'll never marry, um, that they'll be secure in their life because now they look normal again, right? Mm-hmm. And and there, there's a lot of cruelty to, to you know, a child having cleft palate. So I thought $250, if I sell a, you know, if I do a portrait and it's 250 bucks and I can give money for a child to have a surgery, like that's fabulous. That's and the other huge. one, yeah, that's and huge. it's life-changing for them. It's life-changing for them and their families. Yeah. And the yeah. other was, was, um, VVF, which is, um, vesicovagular, uh, fistula. Now that happens usually in, in third world countries when a girl is maybe 14 or 15 years old, she's a mom, you know, like pregnant and her birth canal is too narrow to allow the child to be born. So because there's no doctor, no cesareans available, um, what happens is they have to wait for the, the fetus to atrophy so until they can expel it. And while that's happening, it's burning a hole between the rectum and the vagina and the whole thing. So now they've got this huge fistula that is, that is like leaking and they're smelly and it's horrible and they're thrown out. So imagine it's your first child, you just got married, and now you've got this. Now uh-huh. nobody wants you. You're thrown out of the village. Nobody wants, nobody, you know, you, you go, you go, you're like a leper now. Um, for $500. How did you even find, well, wait, how did you find out about this? Because I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, well, I, I you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know this? But okay. I, I, I guess, you know, through years of reading or whatever, yeah, um, I yeah. found out about this. And, and so, like, this was a passion of mine because I'm like, that's like horrific as a mom and a yeah. grandmother now, you know, I think yeah. that's not fair. Like, that's just like the happiest event turns into the worst event of your life. So for $500, 
that's a fix. There's a fix. Yay. And they can have surgery and it can all be fixed up and you can go back and, and have a happy life again. And so that's the other one that I give to is, is for VVF. I, and I they do that passion. That's my deal. I am. I'm. I'm a and member yeah. of the compassion. Yeah. And I. Yeah. I sponsor a child. Um, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Caesar. Caesar's my guy, yeah. and so I. I sponsor him so we can go to school. But you know, it, I think, like you said, if we could all do something little, whether it's going out into the world and being kind and opening a door for somebody, or just saying a stranger and saying, "Hey, you look good today." Or just a smile. I always say that if you smile at people, they will smile back at you. Yeah, yeah. And it feels so good to do a kindness for someone. And even that, you know, because sometimes you don't know how close somebody is to killing themselves. And just that smile went, oh, well, maybe there is hope. Maybe, you know, somebody did notice me and I'm not invisible. And people, maybe they do care about me. There, you know, so many people, you just have no idea what's going on in their lives and their heads. Um, we just can't even, you know, judge them by looking at them. Because there is no, uh, we, we just really just should take action and just be kind all the time. And that doesn't hurt and it doesn't cost money. Exactly. Well, yeah, you never go, know what's going on in somebody else's life so until I you know, walk in their shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just want to get back to the book just for one moment because the book yeah. was a legacy book. You know, I did write it as a legacy, but I also wanted to write it um, from a business perspective because if you are an entrepreneur, you can see how he kept coming back and he kept coming back and coming back. Because if you know how to be, be, um, fruitful as an entrepreneur, if you know how to be a salesperson, if you know how to uh, get a business going, then even when you've lost it all, and he lost it all, he lost all his money. Um, and, 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 you know, at, can we talk time, about that? Can yeah. I tell really quick? Sure. So guys, here's what happened. So he invested, he made all this money in L. He got into the elevator business. He, he started out as, me- yeah, yeah, he started as a mechanic and then he ended up being in the president of the company and eventually owning the company and selling it and making a lot of money. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after he did that, he decided to invest in land. Now, I'm a real estate broker, so yeah. this caught my attention. I was like, wow, he invested in land, and he did it in California. It was a um, mall. Yeah. Yeah, but it didn't work out, and that's how he lost his money. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. The inflation hit, or something. You know, the market crashed, and and his partners took off. And like I said, and he was left holding the bag. And, and he, he was seventy, right? He was, he was in his seventy. 70s. Yeah. yeah, lost everything. Lost his dream home. They had just finished building in Rancho Santa Fe. Ever, it was gorgeous. One home of the year, nineteen ninety seven, and like everything. And he didn't know how to tell his wife. Like he, you know, he's like, oh my god, she's gonna kill me. Um, because he, you know, he didn't ask for permission to invest his money. It's his money, right? Like, he went and did what he wanted, and he, he lost it. Then, you know, forget, you know, ask for forgiveness later. Uh, but you know, she was living a lifestyle that she enjoyed, obviously. Um, and so, yeah. And he goes, "So what do I do?" Well, now I have to go look for a new company to start. So in his seventies, he he buys um, a t-shirt company. Doesn't know the business, doesn't know anything about it, but he turns it around. And again, creates a very successful company and sells it in his 80s, retires again. <laughs> that is crazy. And you guys, he like sold the Nike and all kinds of yeah, huge companies. Bomb and DC. Yeah. Now, and he sold, did he sell the company? We got about 30 seconds he to go. He sold yeah. the company and made the money. All right, you guys, we'll be back here in a few minutes. And we can get this book at uh, Amazon, right? Yeah, and Barnes yeah. & Noble. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. It's called all Want of Places. 
Yes, it's called For Want of 40 Pounds, you guys. And it's Peter Jennings wrote this along with Frankie Picasso. Um, and it's really interesting. And it's a really good read, actually. I want to say that. Um, the chapters are short and to the point, and you, and you get the information. It's really good. We'll be right back. The High Road and more. Don't forget to visit Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to sign up for her intuitive personal coaching program or to book a psychic reading. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author and intuitive, Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Get a kick out of the warning labels companies attach to prevent lawsuits from the hooky crooky of this world. A warning label on a dishwasher cautioned not to put any person in the unit. Speaking of dishwashers, one product warning on a television remote control read, not dishwasher safe. That's too bad because we know how dirty the remote control gets. In fact, we press the buttons even harder when we know the battery is dead. What are we, part of the ridiculati? A warning on a baby stroller read, remove child before folding. Here's one for the blunderbusses and poppin' jays among us. A label on a letter opener read, safety goggles recommended. Call me snarky, but any society that needs this many disclaimers has too many lawyers, pedophagers, and snollygosters. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to The High Road. Hey, welcome back to High Road to Humanity. And I need to mention one of our sponsors, bestradiotravel.com. And if you go, you guys, you have to check this out. You'll get really good deals on hotels. Just go to bestradiotravel.com slash Nancy, and they'll give you some really good deals. Bestradiotravel.com slash Nancy. Okay. So we're here today with Frankie Picasso. And this book was written along with Peter Jennings. And Frankie, I want you to kind of tell the audience um, what Peter Jennings part was in the book. Um, you met him on a radio show. Is that correct? You um, interviewed him? Yeah. Peter, Peter also, Peter's written a couple of books and one of the books um, I met him on was about, uh, it was called Shark Assault. And it was about a woman who had been in Mexico and a nurse, a Canadian nurse who, um, true story, who, who was attacked by two bull sharks and one had, you know, taken off her arm and the other one, you know, bit into her leg and everything. Wow. Um, and so this was, it was a crazy book. Anyway, through that interview, I'd met Peter and I, I really enjoyed him. He was, he was a really good author and he was writing another book um, about 
about how why people are happy. And then he wrote another book about um, people who are, uh, I guess, almost like the unstoppable, but a different word. I can't remember the word of it right now. Sorry. Um, and so he said, "Yeah, you know what? I need to. You need to be in this book." And, and then he said, "No, your father needs to be in this book." <laughs> but I said, "Peter, I've got this this this." Um, uh, projects I, re- I really want your help to to help me write this book. Not that I couldn't write it on my own. Like I said, it was my fourth book, but I wanted an impartial voice, um, especially with my siblings. And you know, can you do the interviews of of them and and help me interview my dad? Because oh, uh, we went to Mexico and interviewed my dad. And then um, I will be the insider information. I'll give you all the you know the hot. Right. <laughs> on the inside, right. you know, scoop. Um, and so he he goes, well, it's a vanity project. I don't really want to do it. Like, but then he met my dad, and he's like, hell yeah, I'm gonna do it. He's got a great story. <laughs> like, it just it goes beyond your family. Like, yeah. this is something people can enjoy reading this, and I think right. they did. Like, you know, the ones who have have enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, there was a chapter where the fa- where I talk about the family and people. Oh, let me bore out here. But. I thought it was really important because I didn't know who these people were. And I got a hold of this family tree um, because most of them were killed in the Holocaust. And and only a few survived, My like three cousins, my dad, Paul, and, and his cousin, Max. And Paul was also in a concentration camp. He lives in Paris, and he has written a book about his experiences in a camp as well. But so here are these three cousins that are left um, and with a couple of aunts who, who had come to the States during the time when they could get out, uh, who are now all deceased. And... The only people living in the family are, are these three guys. So it was kind of important if, if my dad left, like there'd be nobody to tell the story. So I said, you have to do it now. You have to talk. He didn't like to talk to go back and talk about the past. Anyway, so Peter met him and, and just fell in love with him and said, yes, you know, we can write this story. It's not just about a legacy. There is a business component to it. There is a, um, you know, there, there's things that other people could can relate to mm-hmm. in the book other than yeah. just you know being your family but i did want to write about the family in those that one chapter specifically because i wanted to put a face to a victim you know put a face to the people who actually died in the holocaust and and these were everyday people who had children who were loved yeah. and loved others and, and, and you know here yeah. they were and up. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. You guys, yeah. there are pictures. She puts pictures in of what Bert looked like when he was younger. There's she kind of it's chronologically done where she she shows you the family um, that she talks about. And there was one point. At what point? And I read this in the book that you didn't realize you had a couple other brothers. Um, yeah. Well. That's right. The the two boys that he wrote the letter to that you talked about in the beginning. Yeah, um, yeah. I did not know that he had been married before. And I found that out when I was 16. So okay. he had, dad had come home from work one day and he goes, I got to tell you something. And I was living with my dad. My parents had divorced. I was living with my dad. And he's like, I, I got to tell you something. I'm like, okay. And he goes, uh, you better sit down. I'm like, okay. And he says, um, you have two brothers. And I go, what? And he said, yeah, I was married before and you have two brothers. And one of them has found me. And he was not allowed to reach out to them. That was, you know, that mother-in-law that their whole family called the dragon lady. That mean old lady. That mean old lady, the dragon (laughs) lady. Uh, That's what his, that's what my brothers called their grandmother. Um, They hated her. Um, You know, she, they said, you're not allowed. They, they, she actually uh, ripped up every picture of my dad. There's no mention. Nobody's allowed to ever talk about him. Um, Everything that had to do with him was, was erased. But somehow Andrew, my oldest brother, found my dad and called him at work. And he said, you know, my dad says, I don't know what to do. Like, should I talk to him? And I'm like, well, the deal was you couldn't call them. But since he's called you, yeah, 
he found you, right? right? So he goes, what should I do? I said, tell him to come, tell him to come right away. So he flew in that weekend and it was just like, Duh, here's the people I should have been brought up with. Like we were just so much alike and we looked alike and it was like amazing. That is, yeah, wonderful. they're great. They're great. Now your, your father is in, is he in Baja, Mexico? That's where he lives? Yes. Now? Yeah. He lives in Baja. In and Virginia. he's remarried to a younger woman. He's married to a younger woman. Um, she's my age. <laughs> but she really Lucker. loves them, you said. Oh, yeah. She really does. Yeah. She yeah. really does. And you know what? She just respects his mind. And she met him when he was working in the t-shirt business. She was also in, in that business, um, in the machinery end of it. And when he okay. would do the, the shows in Los Angeles, she met him and his wife. And they would go out together. And, and you know, he asked her, um, listen, I got some guys coming from Switzerland. Do you know... Um, what uh um a place in mexico and she goes yeah yeah yeah." he goes can you take them around like would you mind taking us to dinner and and you know kind of hosting help host and mm-hmm. she did and they just got to be friendly and friends and nothing you know went on there um but when my dad's wife died and he just ran into her by you know at, at the bank by happenstance nothing's by accident now yeah that's that. right yeah she was ripe and he was ripe and um she just really, she's always, she'd always really liked him. She found him charming and he was a good dancer and still is. And um, all the women love him. No matter what age you are, women love my dad. I can't help it. You know, like they just I do. know. That's how I feel. That's how it is with my dad too. Yeah. I'm, now, how did, what did he think? I want to know what he thought of the book and how did he feel once it was done and he read it? He he actually, it was funny. He's read it twice. He read it and then he called me. He said, thank you so much for doing this book. And he, and, wow. and then when he was here, when I had my surgery in May, he came up, um, they came up to kind of help out and he reread the book at the house while he was, you know, while I was convalescing and he, like, he, I could hear him chuckle and laugh. And I go, what? He goes, that's just the way it was. Like, you know, the stories that people told about him and um, he loves it. And, and I said, you know, Father's Day was coming and I'm like, dad, what can I get you for Father's Day? He goes, you already did it. Like you got my birthday, my Father's Day for the rest of my life. Like, you know, you wrote this great book. And I'm like, I'm like, he really loves it. And he's proud of it. And I'm, I'm really thrilled that, you know, it's out there. Yeah, it's a tribute. And it's good to tell a story because it's something that does need to be written down um, to see what he went through and, gosh, the just what he had inside of him. His determination, yeah. His determination and positivity and perseverance. um, Those Mm -hmm. are are things to admire and to emulate. And when you know, my, one of my stepsisters said to me, she goes, oh, you're so lucky that was your, like your dad. And but I said, you know what? You have lived with my father longer than I did. I left home at 17. And okay. I said, you, you lived with him way longer than I did. And if you haven't picked up on that stuff, like, I don't know how to help you, right? Because it yeah. was all right there for you to, to well, model. Yeah, you, we talk about modeling yeah. behavior and, and that. Right. Like, right. it's all there. So, yeah. Well, his work ethic too, and I picked up the, on that. Um, he had a really good work ethic, and yeah. you picked up on that. And I understand what you're saying. It's either you see it or you don't see mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And the integrity, and you know, it's okay if I lose everything, I can start over. It's not yes. the end of the world. And a lot of people, you know, they lose everything and they think that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost like an opportunity. Yeah. You know, it is an opportunity. That's, yeah. that's how I see it. And like, that's why I guess in some ways, you know, you tread fearless through the world because it doesn't, money is not that important to me. I mean, money's great and I love it and it buys all the things that you want, but I always think it'll come back because right. I've seen, I've seen how it's come back for my dad. Right. And I guess for me too, I didn't always have money and, you know, 
it but comes it's the to people. It's, it's the, the people. people. It's yeah. not the money. And I wish that people could realize that it's not the material stuff yeah. because you can sit here with all your material stuff and all your goodies, yeah. but if you don't have anybody to share it with, then it really doesn't matter. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And today, you know, I, I, I'll be, uh, I'm 62 and I just had my birthday in June and I, I look around, thank you. And I look around and I think, you know, my happiest moments, I would be happy, die happy is when my grandkids are here and yes. I look at them and it's like, oh God, I love you guys so much. That's all I need. I just want my family. I, all I want is my family around. Yeah. You know, those That's are the most important. Times. Well, and I see that the family is really being broken up. Um, you see this across the country where it used to be everybody sat down to dinner together and, you know, you had conversation. But now it seems like the families are all broken up and the morals and the values. And if we can get back to some of that, hey, you guys, it's really important to be honest and it's really important to be a hard worker. And when you do these things, then the money comes. Yeah. And that's what I think I want people to understand, you know? And you know what's really interesting? When you look at immigrant families, they, yeah. and, and people get mad because they get ahead. You know how they get ahead? Because the whole family works together. Yeah. They all as work a team. together or they, as a team, they help each one. We'll get you a house and then we'll buy you a house and we'll all pull our money and we'll, you know, we'll help each other. Where, you know, our, our society doesn't do that. It's one, you no. know, it's not one for all and all for one. It's one for me. It's like, look what I got. And you don't have it. And are yeah. you too? And man, how did we get there? I mean, that's the dark side, I think. Um, I really would like to see it lighten up a little bit. <laughs> me too. Frankie, I'm so glad you came on the show today, and I'm Thank so glad you. to talk to you. And and tell us where, tell everybody your website, where they can get your book, give all your information out. For okay, everybody. so again, you can go to Amazon.com uh, or UK or CA or wherever you are in the world you want to buy your book. You can you can get it there, and you can get it in in, in hard copy, paperback, or ebook. You can also uh, reach out to me at UnstoppableFrankiePicasso.com or go to the Good Radio Network and reach out to me there. And I'm Coach Picasso at Rogers.com. If you want to have a conversation with me, you can email me. And I'm just really thrilled that there are people like you, Nancy, in the world um, who, who oh, you know, you. are lightworkers and, and just showing people the light because we need it so desperately right now. Yeah, it's like a it's like a little war going on out there. Yeah. There's the dark and there's the light. And you got to stay light because the dark can pull you down pretty quick and, and that'll be it for you. So you guys stay light, stay bright, listen to our shows. Hey, next week, I have a really fabulous guest. Her name is Jennifer Taviv. She goes by Ellie and she lost her sight. Uh, when she had her second child and wow. regained it. So she's going to tell her story here on High Road to Humanity next week. And again, Frankie Picasso, thank you so much. It's been such a joy to have you on my show and nice to meet you. You too. You too. Yeah, you guys get her book and, and check out my website. It's nancyyearout.com if you want to schedule a meeting with me or um, if you would like a psychic reading, um, we're happy to do that for you. See you next week. Bye. For more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. To sign up for my intuitive life coaching or a psychic reading, visit my website, www.nancyyearout.com. My email address is nancy at highroadtohumanity.com. So have a fabulous week and know that by staying on the high road, you will make it to your destination.